We are about midway through the bye week for the Louisville football team. On today's episode of the Locked On Louisville podcast, we are going to recap the first half of the schedule, giving out midseason grades for the team overall, offensively and defensively, and then discussing uh, two offensive and defensive MVPs. So with that being said, let's get right on into the show. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome in to another episode of the Locked On Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. Today's episode brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash College using the code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a first deposit match up to $100 daily fantasy sports made easy. As always, I want to take this time to personally thank you all for making us your first listen of the day. Just a reminder that the Locked On Louisville podcast is free on all streaming services, five days a week, your team, every day. We're not essentially only halfway through the season. We're uh, seven games through the season, but with the bye week this week, I wanted to essentially call this the first half and then after the bye being the second half. We'll talk about uh, midseason grades. We will grade out how the team has played overall, offensively, and defensively. We'll also identify and discuss MVPs for both sides of the football, uh, two for the offense and two for the defense. Um, so, like I said, we're seven games through the year, six and one um, heading into the bye week, which, like I mentioned in the past episode, it's not ideal that the team lost to Pittsburgh, especially after defeating a top 10 team in Notre Dame, having that momentum going into this contest against a team that had lost four straight games and then losing by 17. That's not ideal. It's really tough to spin that positively, and I won't even attempt to do that. Nobody I've seen has done that. Um, but I think that you can look at the silver lining and say that if you were given the opportunity at the beginning of the year, for the team to be 6-1 and one heading into the bye, the only uh, qualification was that the one loss would be to Pittsburgh. You would look at that and say, uh, yeah, I'll take it every single day of the week and twice on Sundays. So we're going to do just that. Um, I am excited for the back half of the schedule. Obviously, the team has something to prove after that game against Pittsburgh. A lot of factors went into the mix there, but Regardless, a loss is a loss, so you have to bounce back and show that, hey, it was a fluke. We're still a very, very good team. So um, looking at both sides of the football, midseason grades, we'll start with the offense. I am going to go with an A- minus here. Um, the team is a top 20 unit, which should not surprise people with Jeff Brom. They're averaging about 462 yards of total offense, which is very solid numbers. And they have, um, you know, shown that throughout the first seven games of the year. I think A minus is um, it's high enough, but it's also not too low either. So you might might say, well, the offense shouldn't have got to that rank. Well, I mean, you look at what they've done. They've scored over thirty points, um, one, two, three, four of the seven times you put the most points on Notre Dame that any other team has this season. Look at what USC did. They had Caleb Williams and could barely move the ball uh, against uh, the Fighting Irish. So great offense performance against them, against Boston College, against Georgia Tech, etc. So you've done enough to have a top 20 offense. I really 
think it's hard to go anything under an A minus when you have a top 20 unit. You have one of the best running backs statistically in the country. You have um, a solid wide receiving core as well, solid O line, and uh, more than serviceable quarterback. So um, I'm going A minus here. The reason why it's an A minus and not an A or an A plus is because there's been a couple games to where the offense really hasn't looked in sync. You look at that game against NC State, only scored 10 points, struggled, ended up winning the game, doing what needed to to be done to win, but it was more of a defensive effort that put the Cardinals over the top. Um, and then the game against Pittsburgh was just um, you know very very tough to swallow, considering that you had three turnovers in the um or deep in the Pittsburgh territory you'll say well I mean you still severely outgained them yes but you only scored 21 points it doesn't matter there's no moral victories there so two of the seven games have been very lackluster offensive performances um so and then Indiana you scored 21 the first half and didn't score again in the second half so two and a half performances of lackluster offensive football um or I should say two and a half games of um lackluster offensive football that's where you're at an a minus here um i don't necessarily think you can go any lower than that but you also can't ignore that either defensively speaking you look at this i think this one's a little bit harder to judge because of the team sort of having some up and down moments the reality is that it's still a top 25 unit allowing 317.9 yards per game top 10 in turnovers created um was top five before not having any turnovers uh, created against Pittsburgh. Um, overall, it, it's been pretty solid. You had a bad game against Georgia Tech to where they scored a ton of points, but after that, you haven't allowed more than 30 points until you got to the Pittsburgh game. And even then, I think that that was a weird situation to where you know one touchdown was a pick six. That was the most points they've allowed this year, but one touchdown was a pick six. Um, and then Pittsburgh had a lot of opportunities in short field situations. They get an A minus here as well. I think um, for the most part, they've done what they needed to do, especially as of late, held Notre Dame to 20 points, created multiple turnovers. I think if you're a team that's top 10 in turnovers, top 25 in total defense, like for the offense, it's hard to look at the unit and suggest that it's anything less than an A minus. I think like the offense, you've had some lackluster moments that's kind of preventing the A minus from becoming an A or an A plus. So um very, very slim margins when we're talking about A and A minus. The moral of all of this, long story short, is that it was a very good start to the year for both sides of the football. So um both of the units get an A minus in my opinion. The overall grade is different, however, I'm going with an A. The only thing separating it from being an A-plus is the loss against Pittsburgh. Um, but being 6-1, and one, you really can't go lower than an A. You've handled business. Sure, it hasn't been pretty at times. But you could also turn that argument on its head and say, well, unlike years past when adversity did strike in the game, only one time did Louisville not rise to the occasion and come out victorious in a matchup. Um, they edged out a game against Georgia Tech, held off Indiana. Uh, held off NC State and got into a, a big time matchup with Notre Dame and won by 13 points. So overall, six and one, a start that I mean, if you are a perfectionist, six and one's not good enough. You know, you beat Notre Dame, you should have beat Pittsburgh too. It's not acceptable that the team is six and one, should be seven and zero. Oh. I'm not going to be that dense here. I'm going to keep um, my focus on 
my expectations throughout the beginning of the year heading into now, and that is that this team can still get to 10 wins. Granted, the margin of error is a lot smaller than it was just about um, five days ago. But needless to say, I think that if you were to ask people September 1st, right before that Georgia Tech game, hey, I'm going to give you an opportunity for Louisville to go 6-1. and one. Would you take it? I think every single person would probably say, uh, yeah, I would definitely take that before the bye week. So for me, it's an A. I think you combine you combine the A minuses and um, you also throw in the ability to overcome adversity, what they've had to go through this season. Granted, you can make this case that, oh, the strength of schedule just isn't that great. The fact of the matter is that Louisville, along with North Carolina and Florida State, have the most Power 5 victories to date through the first seven weeks of the season. That is a fact. Granted, they haven't played a top 25 team yet outside of Notre Dame. They still did beat Notre Dame. So we can talk about this schedule being lackluster all you want, but the real the real situation here is that there are a ton of teams throughout the Power Five that have not played a schedule like Louisville's up until this point. Granted, I think their schedule gets a little bit harder in the back half than maybe Louisville's would, but still then, you still have Duke, you still have Miami, you still have Kentucky, three respectable teams. So ultimately, midseason grades, it's hard to knock the Cardinals that much. Granted, they haven't been perfect, so that's why they're not an A+. But I don't think that what they've done warrants anything less than an A minus. You can make the case that things are at a B plus level because of the loss against Pittsburgh, because of how the offense struggled against um against NC State and Indiana in the second half, or how the defense struggled against Georgia Tech in the first half. But I, I think that um for me I feel comfortable with where the midseason grades are. Um but now time to talk about the most valuable players for both sides of the football. We'll start on the offensive side. We'll do that here momentarily after we talk about our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America where the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals and sharks. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings Roll in quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Testing my skills on on Prize Picks this football season has been the most exciting way to play DFS sports. If you have the skills, you can turn ten dollars into two hundred and fifty dollars with just a few taps of the finger. Go to PrizePicks.com. Slash locked on college and use the code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Once again, that's pricepicks.com slash locked on college while using the code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Hey, Cardinal fans, thanks again for making locked on the Louisville your first listen of the day. Even though we're in a bye week, don't get it twisted. Locked on is continuing to kick up coverage with locked on college football kickoff live each Friday. Locked on will go live at 11 a.m. Eastern time on every Locked On College YouTube channel. College Football Kickoff Live will cover playoff implications, the conference rivalry games while also going in-depth like only Locked On can, including insight and analysis from our stable of Locked On College hosts covering their team every day. 
Find Locked On College Football Kickoff Live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You won't want to miss it, so be sure to stay tuned. The offensive MVPs of the season. For both sides of the football, it was sort of challenging to identify and nominate these players um, because there's been a ton of great players on both sides of the football. I will say full transparency, it was a little bit tougher to make those decisions for the defensive side. I think for the offensive side of the football, it's pretty straightforward here. There are two guys that really, really have stood out. First and foremost, I think the number one MVP on this season is Jawar Jordan. Jordan has been absolutely fantastic to start the year. Um, he has had over over 70, let's see, um, he has had over 70 yards rushing in each game this season um, outside of two. Actually, you can say over 95 yards rushing than each game this season outside of two. The one was NC State had 16 of 32. But Pittsburgh, it's really hard to say that because he was hurt, had two carries for eight yards. So um, since then, before the start of the season, I said it a million times, and I feel like I repeat myself every time I say it, is that I believed that Jawar Jordan was going to get to the 1,000-yard mark this season. And he is, with five games to go, right there, assuming that he doesn't have um, any lingering issues with this injury. Against Georgia Tech, 7 for 96 and a touchdown. Murray State, 7 for 135 and two touchdowns. Indiana, 18 of 113 and one touchdown. Boston College, 18 of 134 and two touchdowns. And then Notre Dame, his best performance of the season when the team needed it the most, 21 carries, 143 yards and two touchdowns. That's something that you have to look forward to and say that he is not a guy that plays good or only plays good against bad competition. Um, he plays good against almost everyone. I've seen that argument made multiple times this year before the Notre Dame game, and that was, oh, he got bottled up against NC State. You know what that means. He just can't play um, well against good teams. And he said, okay, bet, and turned in a phenomenal, his best career performance against a top-10 Notre Dame team that had a top-10 defense coming into the game. Um, and scored two touchdowns. Notre Dame had no answer for Jawar Jordan. He's the number one MVP this season for the offensive side of the football, football for me because of how the rest of the offense feeds off of his play. When he's playing well, it forces defense to um, counteract accordingly. They have to essentially start to load the box. That opens up so much opportunity for the Cardinals passing game, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, and it's just an overall huge benefit for everyone involved on the offensive side of the football. Granted, you have to give a good amount of credit to the Cardinals offensive line. They've been extremely solid in the trenches, creating those holes. Um, but Let's make no mistake about it. Jawar Jordan is not just a player that is directly a byproduct of the offensive line play. You know, he makes a lot of stuff happen. If you don't tackle him at the line of scrimmage, you definitely risk a house call from the Long Island native. So um, Jawar Jordan, for me, Offensive MVP number one, I would probably go ahead and venture that there is a good chance that he's going to be offensive MVP at the end of the year as well, because I would expect him to continue to play the way that he's playing. 
assuming that he is staying healthy, hopefully that is going to be something moving forward that is not going to be an issue. The second MVP of the season is an incoming transfer from Georgia State. That is Jamari Thrash. Thrash has 39 carries, 639, I'm sorry, 39 catches, 639 yards to go along with six touchdowns, averaging 16.4 yards per reception. Um, In all honesty, I haven't really seen one defense be able to keep him in check. Even when you look at his statistical numbers when it comes to the targets, uh, when the targets are there, I mean, it's really tough to say that anyone can um, really keep him in check. I know that, um, you know, didn't have a great game against NC State, although offensively Louisville really struggled to protect the quarterback. 7 of 88 against Georgia Tech, 3 of 82 against Murray State, 4 of 159 against Indiana, 5 of 71 against Boston College. 3 of 44, NC State, 8 for 75 against Notre Dame, and 9 for 120 against Pittsburgh. So, um, obviously, only under 50 yards receiving one game this year. He's been absolutely incredible in terms of creating separation. He has a rushing touchdown as well in that Murray State game, so seven touchdowns on the year. He's essentially almost averaging one receiving touchdown a game. So, um I mean, it's 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 hard to suggest that Jamari Thrash isn't an offensive MVP because I think that like Jawar Jordan opens up opportunity for the whole offense, I think Jamari Thrash does that as well, but in a different sense. He opens up so much opportunity for the other receivers because you have to put so much emphasis if you're a defensive coordinator on stopping the wide receiver one for the Louisville Cardinals that you can't have the luxury of you know, not playing one-on-one against guys like Kevin Coleman Jr., Chris Bell, Amari Huggins, Bruce, etc. cetera, uh, multiple players for the Cardinals that are directly benefiting from having a guy like Jamari Thrash on this team. Uh, he's just been an absolute baller. There's no other way to put it. Um, he's having an extremely impressive season. I think that he's going to go over the 1,000-yard receiving mark like transfer Tyler Hudson did last year and there is more competition in terms of where the targets are going to go this year than there was last year. So ultimately, um, look, I think these are two pretty straightforward answers here, Jawar Jordan and Jamari Thrash. I think most people would suggest that these two are going to be the guys that get these nods in this situation. If you went elsewhere, where would you go? I don't necessarily think that many people – would go with other skill players, any other um, offensive lineman. I guess you could say maybe Brian Hudson for what he does for the offensive line or maybe another offensive lineman. You could maybe say Jack Plummer, but I think for the most part he's been he's been pretty good, but I wouldn't necessarily go as far as saying that he's been pretty great. Um, I still think that there's the opportunity for him to continue to play his best football throughout the season, and I believe that he will. Um, but he's had some moments where he hasn't been great Um, and that's no disrespect to him. We're just talking about MVPs for the season so far, and I think that it's almost impossible to go with anyone else other than Jawar Jordan and Jamari Thrash. So those are my two offensive MVPs. The defensive side of the football, extremely tough to uh, pick two players. We will do that, though, on the final segment of the show. We'll do that after we talk about our friends over at Jace Medical. Look, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world today, and it's important to be prepared. 
The Jace case is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. You can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your unique needs. It now offers, um, like I said, customizability for your Jace case. Um, there are gift cards. You can buy a gift card for family or your loved ones so that they can get a Jace case of their own. Go to jacemedical.com and enter the code locked on at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. Once again, that's the promo code locked on at jasemedical.com. Like I said, a ton of uncertainty in the world. So be as prepared as you can with Jace Medical. Okay, heading into the final segment of this uh, midseason recap episode of the Locked On Louisville podcast. We talked about midseason grades, talked about offensive MVPs, the defensive MVPs. These were tough. I think that the main one that um, was probably least surprising was Ashton Gelati. Gelati is top five in the country right now in sacks. He has 6.5 um, overall, 23 total tackles. Um, which literally has tied his career high from last year with five more games to go. So he's being more involved in the um, rushing attack. He has a forced fumble uh, to go along with those numbers. And although he has six and a half sacks, has even more quarterback pressures. So it took him a little while to get going, but I think Gelati is, you know, way too much, or he's way too hard to tell how valuable he is he's absolutely phenomenal um had uh, a sack and a half against notre dame three against boston college one against nc state one against murray state um, had the forced fumble against indiana as well so although that um early on in the season the quarterback pressures weren't necessarily turning into sacks the way he was wanting them to he still has been an invaluable piece for this defense, a leader on that defense with no Yaya, with no Yaya Diaby, with no Yasir Abdullah. The focus was on whether or not Jelati could be the number one option that defense or opposing offensive coordinators scheme around. The answer emphatically is yes. He is one of the best pass rushers in the Atlantic Coast Conference and in the country as well. So I would expect for him to be a guy that continually steps up throughout the season. Um, and I think that Gelati is as close to a no-brainer of an MVP on the defensive side of the football as you can get. So for me, it is the Boca Raton, Florida native that gets the first nod for MVP. Outside of that, man, it gets extremely tough to um, to determine. There were two that I was really considering here, and man, I kind of want to go 1A and 1B. And both of them were transfers. Um, that is Devin Neal and Cameron Kelly. I went with Neal simply because he has one more interception, but I kind of want to talk about both of them as a 1A, 1B situation because they both stepped in after MJ Griffin's injury, after Josh Minkins got injured, and immediately turned in very solid performances. Devin Neal had the two interceptions against Notre Dame, which were huge. Um, had uh, eight tackles in that game as well. Led the team against Indiana with eight tackles. Um, also had the interception against Murray State, but he has been a fantastic player. Fumble recovery against Murray State as well. The Lexington native transferring in from Baylor. 
has been a huge, huge piece to the back half of the Cardinals secondary. And Cam Kelly has been making plays all season, too. Um, had the interception against NC State in the end zone, forced to fumble in that game as well against Brendan Armstrong. He also was fantastic against Indiana, where he recorded an interception on a tipped pass. Uh, but overall, 12 tackles in that game. Both of them are two-time ACC Defensive Back of the Week award recipients. So I kind of wanted to go 1A, 1B. I was going to go with Devin Neal, and then I switched to Cam Kelly. Now I'm saying screw it. We're going with both of them for the other spot of the defensive MVP. I also thought about going with TJ Quinn here. Quinn leads the ta- leads the team in tackling by a significant amount. He has 54 on the year with one pass deflection and one fumble recovery. But ultimately, I went with um, a player or players like Devin Neal and Cam Kelly. Devin Neal has four pass deflection. So you could have gone a couple different ways here. Um, I want to know who your all's offensive and defensive MVPs are. Drop your answer down in the comments of the YouTube section below. Um, but regardless, that is going to wrap up this episode of the Locked On Global Podcast. For the remainder of the week, we will be diving into basketball talk. Um, this episode recorded before the scrimmage or the exhibition game against Simmons College. Um, so know that um, I won't have known what that result is until after this recording is published. So we're going to talk about the basketball team um, throughout the remainder of the week. But like I said, it's going to wrap up today's episode of the show to find the lockdown level podcast, which is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to stay tuned to this graphic now.